Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team. Hey, this is Alex Fiedo, and this is the Road to Detroit podcast. You're on the Road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. Lucky seven, it's the Road to Detroit podcast. Welcome back, episode seven. Glad to have you along for the RTD. My name is Dan Hasty. Nate Wangler is our producer. Thanks to Alex Fiedo for our lead-in for RTD here this week. We've got a lot coming up on the show. We will dive into the new guys in the Tigers system. Who's that? Well, it's the Tigers 2019 draft class. That's the class that has been universally praised throughout professional baseball. There have been a ton of people that have praised the Tigers 2019 draft class. And so far, the returns are pretty good. We'll talk about that. We'll catch up with some of the new guys in the Tigers system, the 2019 draft class. We've already talked to Riley Green. You can catch that conversation in episode three of RTD. But coming up on this episode, the Tigers' second round pick, Nick Quintana, who played his college ball at Arizona, is scheduled to join us. We'll talk to Nick in just a little bit. Very interesting young man. And one of those guys that I think a team can rally around. A lot of personality for this young man. We'll check in at Connecticut as well. A couple of faces from the Connecticut Tigers, the short season team that's a lot of the 2019 draft class so we'll dive deep into what those guys are doing with the connecticut tigers brian pena the manager and the one-time tigers catcher is scheduled to join us we'll also talk to 2019 fifth round pick bryant packard this was a guy that was universally praised throughout college baseball there was even one scouting service that had him ranked going into this past college season as a top 10 player in college baseball. So he was really well respected throughout college baseball. Didn't have a final year that I think he was hoping to have. Ended up dropping him to the fifth round, but the Tigers ended up taking arguably one of the best bats in the draft and getting it at a pretty low spot in round five. Brian Packard will join us in just a little bit. Does he know about the Packard plant in Detroit? That's what I'm trying to figure out. The Packard is coming back to Detroit. That's right. I guess the question becomes now, if he hits a home run and we have a chance to call it, should it be called a Packard plant? (laughs) Should we put out a Twitter poll on whether or not people like Packard plant for a home run? Sure. We can do that. We can send it out. You think it's good? I think people think it's that's clever. You know what? It's good if it's Detroit-based. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's what matters, and I think that's what Tigers fans enjoy. Right. In case you don't know, the Packard plant is a famous 
automobile manufacturing building in Detroit. It was once the home of a number of assembly lines. You know, you look at the numbers that Brian Packard has put up, and we'll talk about this a little later on, but Brian Packard has been mashing for Connecticut thus far. I mean, all this kid does is hit. I mean, he's basically like a machine. He is a, he's a human assembly line. I mean, <laughs> 409, 500. He has a six-game hitting streak. I mean, he's automatic. I actually have exclusive audio of a Bryant Packard at bat Ooh. from his game last night in Connecticut. Here we go. It's just, it's hit after hit <laughs> after hit. <laughs> that gets the job done. Right, it's it's efficient. And let, let's hope he has a little bit more longevity than what the Packard plant did. Uh, again, Bryant Packard, he's going to join us a little bit later on here in the RTD. So looking forward to talking to Bryant Packard. We'll also talk with his manager, Brian Pena. There's a lot of new guys down in Connecticut. And we always see about the first week for Connecticut, they don't have the new draft class in yet. So we really don't know what to make of the Connecticut Tigers until about 7 to 10 days into the year. And now that they're starting to get that influx of talent, now we get an idea of not only what Connecticut looks like this year, but who we might need to keep an eye on as legitimate Tigers prospects going into the years ahead. Brian Packard will join us. I think he might be on that list. You know what we do every time we start the RTD? We get on the on-ramp. Let's do it. Starting at the very bottom in the GCL Tigers, we'll look at the West team. They went 3-2 and two to start the year after losing to the Gulf Coast League Tigers East squad. Riley Green, so far so good in the first week. He had that big game one. Hasn't had a huge game like that since, but he's certainly held his head above water. And again, if you're 18 years old, if you're hitting over 300 in the Gulf Coast League, you're doing just fine and then some. Hitting 313, two doubles, two home runs, five runs batted in. The Florida Gatorade High School player of the year. Riley Green has been really good. Jack Henley was good for GCL West as well. He was an eighth rounder by the Tigers and all he did was hit 438 with a homer and two runs batted in. He got a quick promotion to Connecticut just a little while ago. So congratulations to Jack Kenley. He's now up with the Connecticut Tigers and if you're hitting over 400, they can find a place for you just about anywhere. Let's go to Connecticut. Let's look a little bit closer at some of the names here with the Connecticut Tigers. We just talked about Jack Kenley. The Connecticut Tigers lost two of three on the road against Vermont. That's the Lake Monsters, by the way, before winning back-to-back -back games at home against Hudson Valley. Brian Packard was outstanding. He is absolutely crushing the baseball for the Tigers. <laughs> 409 batting average, 500 OBP in his first 22 at-bats. Nate talked about that as well. He has hit in every game he has played in professionally. A big power-hitting outfielder. Tigers are excited about him, and for good reason. He was one of the best hitters going into college baseball this past year. You know, he was actually on the preseason watch list for the Golden Spikes Award. I mean, that's the highest honor in all of college baseball. So Brian Packard is somebody that we'll have to keep a close eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if he moved quickly from Connecticut up that Tigers chain. Cooper Johnson, the sixth rounder out of Ole Miss, hitting 250 with two runs in his first 16 at-bats. Jake Holton, the first baseman, he was a 10th rounder out of Creighton. You know, it must be something to play your college games inside the same stadium that hosts the College World Series. But that's where Creighton plays. They play in Omaha, and they play at that fancy park for the College World Series. A 333 hitter thus far, a 455 on base. In his first five games, four RBIs, a double, and so far, Jake Holton, even out of that 10th round spot, is looking like a nice value for the Tigers, who went very heavy on bats in this year's draft. 
over to West Michigan. The Whitecaps won three out of four. Can, can I can I get an amen, <laughs> amen. for the West Michigan Whitecaps? The West Michigan <laughs> Whitecaps won three out of four. They had really struggled this year. They had won four of their first five games on their homestand. They beat the Dayton Dragons three out of four before taking game one against the Lake County Captains. It's the second time they have won three straight games here in 2019. The first time they've even won a series since early May. But here's the thing. I don't think it's a coincidence. All of a sudden, you have new players. Nick Quintana, Andre Lipsius, just to name a few. The Tigers' second and third rounders in this year's draft. You also get the fact that the slate kind of gets wiped clean a little bit. So here's how it works with teams like West Michigan and Lakeland and Erie. The season is split into two halves. So anything you do in the first half, while it stays on your statistics page all year long... The wins and losses, the records get totally thrown out. So even though the Whitecaps really struggled in the first half, they could play well in the second half and not have that first half held against them whatsoever. They could easily end up with a playoff spot. So why are they starting to win games? Nick Quintana, Andre Lipsius, that's a big help and maybe a little confidence boost for the guys. On top of it, the slate gets wiped clean. You're back to zero and zero. And last but not least, and we saw some encouraging signs from these guys this past week, the kids are starting to grow up a little bit. The 19-year-olds, Wenzel Perez, a Tigers top 15 prospect, Parker Meadows, a Tigers top 10 prospect, they had good weeks. Parker Meadows is hitting over 300 since the All-Star break. And if you hadn't seen the home run that Parker Meadows hit, you can find me on Twitter at that Dan Hasty. Check out the home run Parker Meadows hit against Lake County. Not often do you see a guy hit a low line drive to dead center field and have it clear the center field wall. Left a vapor trail off the bat of Parker Meadows and he cleared the wall out in the deepest part of center field. It's fourth home run of the season and you want to see more power from him going forward, but you know, he's already had a half season in the Midwest League and the Tigers have obviously committed to having him figure things out there in West Michigan and now we're starting to see some signs. Here's a big encouraging sign for Parker Meadows. In April, he struck out 25 times. In May, 35 times. But all of a sudden, something happened in June. He went from 35 strikeouts down to 13. That's not an accident. That's substantial improvement for Parker Meadows. In the month of June, he ended up hitting 250, which is his highest batting average. But I just think the evidence is starting to line up to show us that we might start to be seeing the signs of that future breakout for Parker Meadows. He went three for three, had his second three-hit game of the season as part of a West Michigan victory over Lake County on Saturday by a score of seven to three. So we're keeping our eye on Parker Meadows as well as a couple of those other young kids in West Michigan. Meanwhile, Nick Quintana hit 312 against the Dragons, five runs, four RBIs, hit his first pro home run. So did this young man. 2-0 to Lipsia, swing and a high fly ball deep down the left field line. If it's fair, it's got a chance. This ball is over and gone! A high arcing two-run homer down the left field line for Andre Lipsius. That courtesy of the Whitecaps Baseball Network. Lipsius only five for his last 21, but he does have four runs batted in. We've got to give a shout-out to Chris Proctor as well, the former Duke Blue Devil. Proctor's in the midst of a three-game multi-hit hitting streak, including a game in which he went five for five. He's nine for his last 15 at the plate, and even the outs he's hitting into are absolute line drives. So, Chris Proctor, who has been a little bit streaky this year, is starting to have things click for himself at the plate.
over to Lakeland. The Flying Tigers lost two out of three against Clearwater before beating Jupiter in two of three. Last game, Cody Clemens, a three-run walk-off home run to help Lakeland beat Jupiter in the last game of that series. Good to see Cody Clemens starting to hit the baseball with some authority. Home runs in back-to-back -back games, four runs batted in. Brady Policelli, who was a Florida State League All-Star, five for his last 13. He's on a four-gamer with a home run and three runs batted in. On the mound, Tarek Skubal, who's turned himself into quite the prospect for the Tigers, tossed seven more shutout innings, eight strikeouts in his last start against Clearwater. Get this about Tarek Skubal, and I love this stat. He's only allowed a run while striking out 35 in his last four starts. This was a kid that there were some questions around when he was drafted. A ninth-round pick of the Tigers out of Seattle. It's not a big-time baseball school, but has produced some talent. But Scooble, being a hard-throwing lefty, is always going to appeal to teams. He was coming off Tommy John surgery, and there were some questions about his command. Could he throw strikes consistently? I think he's answering that question. So far this year, the 22-year-old lefty has tossed 73 and a third innings. He's walked just 19. I mean, if, if that doesn't show that he's figured something out with command, I don't know what will. He's also struck out 91 batters in 73 innings, and opponents are hitting just barely over 200 against this young man. So, Tarek Skubal might be somebody that might play into the Tigers' future plans a little bit more than we first thought. Another kid, Elvin Rodriguez, has been on fire. Eight and a third innings, allowing only one run on seven strikeouts. He was two outs away from a complete game back on June 28th. Last 10 games, 5-2, and two, a 367 ERA. He's always had good stuff. So far this year, 75 and two-thirds innings, 67 strikeouts for Elvin Rodriguez. Let's go over to Erie. The Seawolves won 3-5 of five on the road against Binghamton before coming home to take 3 out of 4 against Harrisburg. So now all of a sudden the Seawolves are starting to play some better baseball. Get a load of what Erie's doing right now. Again, we mentioned this with West Michigan having the slate wiped clean. Same case in Erie. The Seawolves have started their second half by winning 10 of their first 12 games. They're in first place with a record of 10-2. and two. That's big news and probably one of the more exciting developments in the entire system given the struggles that a lot of these teams had in the win-loss columns in the first half. Matt Manning's last game, here's how it went. Five innings, two runs, struck out four in a no decision against Harrisburg. Not one of Matt Manning's best performances, but again, we don't expect these guys to go out and dominate every single time out. I mean, these are still kids. I mean, Matt Manning is 21 years old. So there's still work to be done, and that's why they're prospects. So not every game they're going to go out with their best stuff. It's just a question of can you make it work when you don't have your A game? When you give up just two runs in five innings and you didn't have anything close to your best stuff, that's a good game for Matt Manning. We expect him to have better stuff when he comes out on the mound again. Again, this is what you want to see. And these games are just as important for development in the minor leagues as a guy who goes out and shoves for nine innings and throws a complete game. The kids who can figure out how to make it work when they don't have their best stuff, that's the core of player development. Anthony Castro kept up his good stretch, five and two-thirds scoreless innings, just two hits, seven strikeouts, earned his second straight victory. And Isaac Paredes is starting to hit a couple of home runs, one for four with a two-run homer against Harrisburg, homers in back-to-back -back games for Isaac Paredes. And we go just a short drive down I-75 from Detroit. It's the Toledo Mudhens. The Mudhens swept Louisville in two games. So now all of a sudden, look what's happening. West Michigan's winning. Lakeland's having success. 
Erie's doing better, and so is Toledo. It's all happening around the exact same time. Jake Rogers has started to take some steps forward at the plate. He's hitting almost 266 RBIs and three homers in his last 10 games. Daz Cameron homered in back-to-back -back contests against Louisville. He's hitting 425 in his last 10 games. Three doubles, two homers. Jake Robson continues to sting the baseball. So does Victor Reyes and Dawell Lugo. And Kyle Funkhauser. We talked to him in the last episode of RTD almost hours after that conversation ended. Kyle Funkhauser went out and dominated at Toledo. He threw his best professional game for the Toledo Mudhens. He went six scoreless innings while striking out three. So again, the biggest takeaway from this week's on-ramp, all these teams are starting to win all of a sudden. And based on how the first half went, this is exactly what we needed to see. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. We're talking with Nick Quintana, the Tigers' second-round pick in this year's draft. Nick joins us now. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. You? It's like 85, 90 degrees here in South Bend, Indiana. That's where we are. I mean, you have to be used to this sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. Um, you know, growing up in Las Vegas and, you know, playing in Arizona, um, I'm used to the heat, uh, but I'm used to the dry heat. Uh, the humidity sometimes gets me. And Dude, what's the difference between that heat and the one we're in now? Yeah, I mean... It's just the humidity. It's, you know, back home and in Arizona, it's, 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 it's very dry heat. It's just, um, you know, it's hot, but you're not really, you know, dripping in sweat after five minutes of, you know, activity. You know, being in Lakeland for, you know, a week, week and a half, and then uh, up in Grand Rapids, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different up there. But, I mean, I'm getting used to it. I've played in uh, humid places before, and it's fine. I wanted to go back to when you were in college. So... Tigers GM Al Avila told Fox Sports Detroit that he saw you when he was on a trip to see Andrew Vaughn, the California first baseman who was in play at the number five overall pick. He ended up going three to Chicago, the White Sox. Do you remember this happening? And were you like, hey, Al, don't worry about that kid. Look over here. Yeah, no, I had, I had no idea. Um, you know, really the only time I talked to the Tigers was, um, you know, at some point in the fall. You know, when the area scout came down, I, we just had, you know, face-to-face sit-down meeting, get to know each other, and that was pretty much it. So I did hear about that Al was at the game watching Vaughn and and that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear. But, I mean, it was it's even better to hear afterwards, you know, so you're not kind of, like, you know, tripping during the game or, you know, super nervous or whatnot. But, um, yeah, man, I, I had no idea, and um, I, I hope I had a good game that day. Um but yeah, for the most part, it's kind of it's cool to uh, you know hear stories like that. You know, high high up people going to your games, and you know whether you know it or not. You know, it's still kind of it's cool to hear that you know they're actually you know stepping out of the office or whatever they're doing because they're, I'm pretty sure they're super busy people. Uh, you know, to go to Tucson, Arizona to watch a game. So it's, it was cool to hear. So a little later on this podcast, we're gonna hear from Bryant Packard, and he raved about you as a player. Because you guys actually played on the same team before, right? Yes, we played on a uh, team called the uh, Evil Shield Canes. And um, I want to say it was the summer, you know, early summer going into my uh, senior year of high school. And I remember that summer, you know, vividly just because, you know, the last day of my junior year of high school, I had to just book it out of school because I had like a 6 p.m. flight to North Carolina the same day. And that whole summer you know went on and whatnot but yeah we played with each other on the evil shield canes um 
we had a really good team. We had a team full of, you know, high draft picks and um, superstars and stuff like that. You know, we had a really good summer. We ended up going to uh, Jupiter, Florida in that perfect game tournament and ended up winning it all. Um, and, yeah, man, it was just – it was it was really cool to play on a team like that because I played with a lot of guys who I played against in college and who I've – played with and against you know throughout summer ball and high school and stuff like that and you know Brian Brian's a he's a great dude and you know when 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 I saw that the Tigers drafted him I you know we we texted and um it was very special because you know baseball is a small world man you know you know someone from any team or any level just you know from being around them or being a local kid or whatnot and um you know I I I, I uh, um I kept track of, you know, a lot of, you know, my buddies over the last three years during college and um, every year it just seemed like he just kept raking and raking and raking and um, he, he had a very, you know, awesome and successful career at ECU and um, it's just, it's, it's very cool to, you know, end up being on the same team again. Your brother was once drafted. Zach was the third rounder of the Brewers back in 2012. What advice has he given you since you've been drafted? You know, there's stuff here and there about, you know, the everyday grind factor and, you know, and, and the practices and the games and um, all that stuff. And, you know, more baseball tips of advice. But I would say, you know, the biggest, you know, advice he's given me is same with, you know, what my parents have given me. It's just, hey, you know, you've worked your whole life to get to this point right high school college you know there's a lot of um stressful times during the that period um where you're trying to just be the best you can be to you know get drafted or you know um sign for a great deal of money or whatever um but ultimately his his advice was just hey you know you're there now you know so it's this is where you worked hard so hard to be and now you're actually there so just have fun and enjoy it because you know yeah there's you know ways to move up and now there's ways to move down and you know obviously you got to perform but you know this is what you've been doing your whole life and you've been working so hard to get to that point why stress about it now you know it's just yet you made it there so just do your thing you know obviously work hard and you know try and you know develop into the best player you can be and you know into a big leaguer and stuff like that but um yeah man he just basically said just have fun and be yourself and you know because you're there now and you know that's all you can really do and you know when you do that you know you're you know you're really good that's so that's like the biggest thing I took away from yeah I know that you're into playing the guitar I know that you're also into painting how did painting happen um I mean I'm not you know necessarily huge on it I'll do it you know more terms of just a way for me to relax and when I've always been a creative person um, I've always been a big drawer um, you know s- sketcher or whatever you want to call it but um, yeah every now and then when I've got the supplies or even every now and then I'll go buy new supplies and whatnot I'll kind of just it's just it's just a place for me to like just be free and kind of clear my mind off the field you know it, this game is so tough as it is and the last thing you want to do is go home and think about it even more that's you know that's where sometimes you'll get caught and you know dig yourself a hole but you know 
I've always kind of played the guitar since I was young. You know, I'm not the greatest at it, but like kind of like the whole painting and, you know, creative side. It's just it's just a thing um, for me to kind of just be free and clear my mind um, and basically take a load off pretty much. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've painted, you know, I've you know, been at I don't I don't bring my guitar to school. I just feel like that'd be a great way to ruin it and you know something would happen you know um i don't i didn't paint at school or at home or whatnot um just didn't take an art class or anything in arizona uh, no there were art classes that i looked into but it was like art school and stuff like that right. and i'm like just get, i just want a class where i can just go in there and dabble and can that, i just have 101 yeah that yeah <laughs> stuff like that didn't exist where i could just go in there and you know <laughs> willy-nilly do whatever i wanted you know so it was a stru it was structured I, I didn't want to do that favorite band or bands or based on whatever you have playing right now do you have any favorites or leaders in the clubhouse <sighs> you know while i'm talking about this i'm going to show you kind of just what i'm dealing with here um i'm big on listening to whatever type of mood i'm in you know what i'm saying so like a week straight i'll listen to the Wu-Tang Clan or a week straight I'll listen to Jimi Hendrix or something it's just it kind of just varies to be quite honest um you know I've got a lot of hip-hop I got a lot of rap I got a lot of old school rap I've got a lot of give me the old school rap which old school rappers do you have on um I mean I've got I've got you know Dr. Dre I've got you know Ice Cube Tupac I've got you know it all 90s Eminem I assume in there I mean I've got Eminem but I mean more of his older you know, raunchier stuff. You You're know? gonna have to like him. I hate to break that to you. I <laughs> know. Yeah. No, I do. I really do. To be honest, um, for me, it's kind of you know, I'll, I'll put my headphones in and then I'll kind of just browse. Um, some days it'll be Metallica. Some days, you know, it's Keb Mo, and you know, it just it it really honestly just depends. And um, for me, for me, it's cool because you know, I'm, I'm I feel like music is just a language of its own and you know it could really you know put you in certain moods put you in certain places and it, i think ultimately music is medicine kind of and you know when you're feeling down you can listen to a song and get you up and you're trying to get ready you know to compete you can you know get something to get the heart beating and it's, it's just it's it's universal so it's it's all fun congratulations on being a second round pick big month for you and you're already in west michigan not even a month after being drafted congratulations on the early success i appreciate it man and thank you for having me nick Quintana, right here on the road to detroit best in class a chance where we take a look at all the different players in the tigers minor league system and tell you which one made the most noise this week's best in class award goes to Daz Cameron of the Toledo Mudhens, a 22-year-old outfielder who was taken early in the draft back in 2015 by the Houston Astros, was part of the Justin Verlander trade. He's starting to get it. And you know what's interesting? It's kind of a trend for Daz Cameron. A sluggish first half, a really good second half is something we started to see as a pattern for Daz. Start off in 2017, he barely hit 200 in quad cities, but then in the second half started to turn it on. After hitting 206 in the first half with quad cities, he then split the second half with quad cities and West Michigan. He ended up hitting 332 with a 406 on base. The son of former Major League outfielder Mike Cameron, who was such a good defender and a really underrated player in his time. Mike Cameron was one of the more underappreciated outfielders 
in professional baseball. But Daz Cameron did that in 2017, and then look what he did in 2018. He started the year in Lakeland, and he hit respectable 259 at the plate. That's not bad. Then he played with Erie. He hit 313 for the Seawolves, a 380 on base percentage. He started to get hot after a slow start. Same pattern in 2018. Now here in 2019, what's happening to Daz Cameron? In April, Daz hit under 200, but in May, he jumped that batting average up to 270, and he's currently in the midst of a nice hitting streak. He has hit safely in his last seven games, including a four for five performance against Louisville back on June 26th. I'm telling you, the numbers are starting to come in for Daz Cameron hitting 424 in his last 10 games. Great kid, works his tail off. He's this week's best in class. Our producer, Nate Wangler, has an honorable mention. My honorable mention this week is Bryant Packard. Now, we mentioned a little bit earlier hit after hit after hit after hit. That's all I hear. That's just audio of him taking batting practice, actually. <laughs> 358. It, we, you mentioned earlier he had a setback from what he was his junior year. Yeah, he was outstanding, and he was the American Athletic Conference's Player of the Year right. as a sophomore, which totally put him on the map for college baseball's Golden Spikes Award. He was put on the list, but didn't have the year that he wanted to. He still hit the tar out of the baseball. Which is right, exactly what I was going to say. 358 batting average, 7 home runs, and 40 RBIs in his last year. I mean, if that's a setback, you're doing something right. But so far in professional ball with Connecticut, 409 batting average, 500 on base percentage through his first 22 ABs, and a 6-game hitting streak. Look, if you can record a hit every single game that you go out, you're doing something right. So Bryant Packard is already well on his way, and he's only he's fresh into professional baseball. That's best in class for Episode 7. The Road to Detroit podcast rolls on here in Episode 7. Bryant Packard, a National Player of the Year candidate, going into his final season at ECU. Our pleasure to have Bryant Packard joining us now. Bryant, welcome to the Tigers. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Very, uh, very exciting time. It's been kind of a whirlwind for you, and I read somewhere that you weren't expecting the Tigers to be the team to draft you. So if, if we could start there, maybe tell me about what draft day was like for you. Well, it's kind of funny because I think that's how the Tigers roll. I think they like to do under the radar because everybody that I've talked to in my draft class has been like, yeah, we didn't even think the Tigers were going to pick us. So yeah, it, was, it was crazy. You know, I was sitting in my living room with my parents, you know, going through the rounds, uh, wondering, you know, the anxiety's pumping, blood's pumping. Um, and then I finally get a call in the fifth, early fifth, from uh, my agent. He said, hey, man, the Tigers um, Tigers are thinking about getting you for SWAT. And, uh, you know, just the, the feeling was unreal, something you work for your whole life. And uh, obviously having a great organization like Detroit, um, I'm always told the old, you know, the old organizations are always the best for you. Um, they know what to do. So, uh, you know, it was very exciting, and I'm still excited. We're talking to Brian Packard. So you've actually played with some members of this draft class in the past. Ryan Creeler, the Tigers' fourth rounder, and Nick Quintana, the second rounder. You guys have some some experience and some history together, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Ryan was actually my roommate uh, last last summer with uh, at the Cape Cod League while I was up there before USA, and you know he's a, he's a great guy. Um, actually, when I went to USA, I let him have my Tahoe for the rest of the summer. So, uh, you know, he owes me a little something. But, uh, yeah. Um, and then Quintana, I played with him. Uh, Evo Shield Canes, we won we won Jupiter together. Um, I believe he won MVP of that tournament. But, uh, yeah, um, both great players, you know, uh, better dudes, better teammates. 
um, you know, I'm excited that they were in my draft class. Now, when it comes to your position, I'm curious as to, you know, how comfortable you are. You've kind of played in the corners, but now you're being more used in the outfield. How comfortable are you there, and what kind of experience do you have? Yeah, man, everybody tries to knock on my defense, dude. I'm not not that bad out there. So, um, you know, I started playing outfield my sophomore year of college. Um, Played a little bit my freshman year, but usually just DH and I got hurt, so... Um, it's really only my third year playing the outfield, but I love it, man. You know, uh, Pena does a great job with us, working with us. Uh, Cliff Godwin, Hunter Allen at ECU helped me out a lot, just on me every day about my about my outfield. Um, and uh, I think I could also play first base. You know, I played that, played first and third my whole life. Um, but uh, I really like the outfield. It gets kind of boring out there, but, uh, um, you know, I've really become accustomed to it. We're talking to Brian Packard. All right, so I read that you've made the honor roll a handful of times at ECU, and I saw that you had a major in communication. So I'm curious as to what your plan with that was if the baseball thing wasn't going to happen. Well, uh, if the baseball thing wouldn't happen as a player, I'd like to do as a coach. So uh, that's you know that's what ultimately what I would like to do as coach. Um, I'd like to go back to ECU. You know, I grew up there, hometown kid. So. I think that'd be a pretty cool story if I became the head coach there. And uh, uh, if they don't make it to Omaha before then, you know, um, hopefully uh, I could help out with that. So um, that's what I would like to do. We're talking with Brian Packard. Okay, so you begin the year as a National Player of the Year candidate. Even saw you ranked in the top 10 best players in college baseball heading into the season. And then it was a bit of a slow start for you. And I had read a few places that maybe your health wasn't 100%. So if you could just kind of tell us about this past season at ECU. Um, you know, it, it ended really strong. And it, like you said, it began really bad. Um, against Radford in the second game of the year, I think I, I hit a home run. You know, I was feeling good. Hit a double. Everything was feeling really good. And then there was a play in left field where I went back to the wall and landed really funny on my left hand. Um, so I had strained something in in my hand. You know, um, I don't know exactly what what it was, but for like a month I couldn't swing like fully with uh, you know both my hands. I would kind of have to let go at contact. So I probably should have sat out, but you know I just I wanted to play really bad for my teammates. Um, so that injury definitely held me back a little bit. I know the bad is what the Tigers were, you know, really wanting you for. You know, in terms of your numbers, you know, former American Athletic Conference Player of the Year, a 32-game hitting streak. I mean, you're as polished as a college hitter can get. I was watching some highlights from you, and you look like you're bigger than just about everybody else you were playing against. So I, I guess my question is, is, you know, when you're now playing in Connecticut, now how different is the level of competition from where you were then to where you are now? I think it's really, you know, it's really close, man. Um, the pitching, especially the every now and again, you'll get a guy in there that's just like, wow, this dude's going to be in the pigs next year. But um, mostly, it's just like, you know, ninety, ninety-two um, have usually has one really good off-speed pitch, and the others not, you know, not the best. But it reminds me a lot of college, honestly, uh, in what. I can get an advantage of from other guys. It's just my approach and uh, how in college, you know, they hammered me on my approach, approach, approach. That's the only thing we really, we really talked about. So you kind of just have to stick to your approach and play your game. It doesn't really matter who's on the mound. 
All right, Brian. So last one before you go, just looking at the numbers so far from you, nine for 22 at the plate with Connecticut, already hitting over 400 and drawing some walks to go along with it. So the numbers have been good. Just tell me from your own words, you know, through six games as a professional, how are you processing all of this? Uh, I'm processing it good. You know, I mean, that comes with my teammates, man. Um, I, I got really lucky with the teammates I have here. I've made a lot of friends. A lot of good people, a, a, a great manager. But um, like I said, with the, the numbers, you know, I'm sticking to my approach. Um, I've, I've hit a lot of singles. I'd like to drive the ball a little more um, and also keep drawing the walks and uh, just playing good defense and being a good teammate. I think that's the only thing you can really control. Is it easier to make friends when you're hitting the tar out of the baseball the way you are? <laughs> I guess you could say that. <laughs> I'd like to think these guys don't care, but, you know. <laughs> well, again, congratulations on your success. This is a good start for you. Very exciting. I know the Tigers are looking forward to it. And to see what you've done in a very short amount of time, I think it's just a matter of time until we see you another rung up that Tigers minor league chain. Brian Packer, thank you very much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. We've been waiting for a while to figure out who would be all-stars in the Tigers minor league system. We've gotten a couple of names from some of the lower levels. West Michigan's Ulrich Boyarski went to the all-star game, as did three members of the Lakeland Flying Tigers. Left-hander Tarek Skubel and outfielder Luke Birch and super utility man extraordinaire Brady Policelli all went. And then we found out the Erie Seawolves got four nominations into the All-Star game. So congratulations to the Seawolves. Casey Mize is an Eastern League All-Star. Of course he is. Now the only question is whether or not he'll actually be healthy enough to play in the game. I suspect he won't. Matt Manning, who has been outstanding and just about every bit as good as any pitcher in minor league baseball. Matt Manning is going to the Eastern League All-Star game. Isaac Paredes, the 20-year-old going to the All-Star game. So is Jose Azokar. But let's go over to Toledo. They got two nominations as well. Willie Castro has made the International League All-Star team. He was acquired by the Tigers from the Cleveland Indians in the Leonis Martin trade, and all he's done is hit. He's hitting over 300 for the Toledo Mudhens at just 22 years old. Tigers have done a nice job with him this year. Now they're just trying to get his defense up to speed. But he can steal bases. He's in double-digit stolen bases. And Willie Castro has himself in a nice spot now with a comfortable place on the International League All-Star team. So does Victor Reyes, who has done nothing but absolutely smoke fastballs down in the International League this season. I know he's been moved up and down between Toledo and Detroit, but the 24-year-old from Venezuela has hit 311 with Toledo this year, nine homers, 55 runs batted in. He plays a really good outfield. He can run a little bit. He's on pace for double-digit stolen bases this year. But Castro and Reyes both make the International League All-Star team. Congratulations to them. Apparently, there was another All-Star that made it from the Toledo Mudhens, Nate Wangler. Yeah, the athletic trainer Chris McDonald actually made the all-star team. He'll be, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be coaching uh, alongside, oh, I can't even pronounce that. Uh, he'll be coaching alongside a bunch of other coaches. Yes. How's that sound? <laughs> that works. Congratulations, Chris McDonald. And last but not least, and I don't want to say that it's more important than getting an all-star bid in your particular league, but three Tigers were named to the MLB Futures game. The Tigers are just one of five major league teams that sent three or more representatives into the Futures game. This is big news for the Tigers. Matt Manning is going. This is big news for the Tigers. And I think it bears mentioning, 
Casey Mize is not going to the Futures game. I think that's an indication, obviously, of the Tigers wanting to be cautious with him given the circumstances with his health. But Matt Manning is going. The Tigers' first-rounder back in 2016 has already been in the Futures game in the past. He was at the one last year at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. He struck out two batters, and he has since established himself as one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. He's climbed his way up near the number 30 overall in all of minor league baseball. is a 260 ERA this year. He struck out 102 batters in 86 and two-thirds innings. Baseball America has him as its 27th best prospect. Here's a few others. Jake Rogers, who has joined us here on the RTD, he's going to the Futures game. Look, good catchers are hard to find. Jake Rogers hasn't had the best debut at the plate in Toledo, but behind the plate, he's always been an absolute stud. He's one of the best defensive catchers that you will ever see. And now he's starting to pick things up at the plate, hitting almost 260, six runs batted in, three homers in his last 10 games. If you want to go catch the conversation we had with Jake Rogers, at the end of this podcast, go back and listen to episode two of Road to Detroit. Really smart kid. And to me, somebody that I think the Tigers are looking at comfortably as the next catcher to lead this future pitching staff. Last but not least, Isaac Paredes. We just talked about him as an Eastern League All-Star, just 20 years old. He's going to the Futures game as well. Kind of a quiet season so far, a 260 batting average of the 350 on base, but he's one of just three players in the Eastern League that is 20 years old or younger. And now the bat's starting to come along in Erie. And there was a really good stat on Paredes. He had just hit one homer in his first 49 games this year. But in his last 24, Paredes has hit four home runs, and he's nearly walking as much as he strikes out. There's so many times we harp on this, but being able to recognize spin and decipher what is and is not going to be a strike is one of the most universally important traits that a hitter can have. The ability to figure out what he needs to swing at and what he shouldn't swing at is what separates the men from the boys. Paredes with a 32 to 39 walks to strikeout ratio, that's a really good sign for Paredes. And probably a reason that he impressed enough Eastern League coaches to get an All-Star nomination considering he's hitting under 260. Not only an All-Star, but now a Futures game participant. And if Casey Mize had been ready to go, the Tigers would have easily had four prospects in that Futures game. Congratulations to Matt Manning, Jake Rogers, and Isaac Paredes. They are the future. And in this case, they're going to the Futures game. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. Brian Pena, who is beloved as one of the most famous Tigers backup catchers, now joins us here on the RTD. And he's now a manager for the Connecticut Tigers. Brian, how are you? Oh, man, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. You know, God bless you guys. And God bless everybody here in America and in the entire world. How you guys doing? <laughs> it's good to talk to you, man. And you know what? It's that energy that I know Tigers fans loved about having you behind the plate and now getting you in the dugout. That's a really cool transition for you. You know, you had a quick turnaround from playing into coaching, but how did that all come about? Well, it came about because my uh, my mom and my dad, they were teachers, you know, back there in Cuba. And uh, I always had that on me. You know, I always felt like, uh, you know, anytime that I had the opportunity to give something back, uh, I would do it. And and right away, you know, last year, uh, you know, I, I was blessed, uh, you know, to sign with the Tigers as a player. And, uh, you know, it didn't work out. Uh, my body, it wasn't responding but at the same time, um, Alavila, you know, uh, uh, Dave Littlefield and 
and they've chat. They uh, they talk to me and they say, you know what, uh, there is an opportunity for us here for you to coach. Uh, you know, think about it and uh, you know, and let's see what happens. So uh, while I was transitioning, I was falling in love, you know, with the entire process and especially with our younger talent. And man, uh, it was a no-brainer. I went home, I talked to my wife, and I say, you know, I love this. I love what the Detroit Tigers uh, organization represents. And, uh, you know, I want to take, uh, take their offer. And uh, that's how it happened. Well, then all you did was go out and win a Gulf Coast League. Congratulations, by the way. The manager no of the, the GCL West Tigers ended up winning the Gulf Coast League last year with Brian at the helm. That, that had to be such a rewarding experience, and an experience that not a lot of managers get, especially so early in their career. You know, to see their sacrifice pay off, uh, their smile, how much uh, you know they enjoyed that, that moment, how much it meant to them. And especially, you know, uh, those rings, man, uh, the, the, the Detroit Tigers front office, they did a tremendous job, you know, with our rings and, uh, and the ring ceremony, you know, and, and uh, it was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, you know, but just to see, you know, how much, uh, you know, our younger players, you know, they, 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 they live that moment, you know, how much their excitement, their happiness and, and uh, you know, and, and everything that uh, they, they, they went through. You know, it, it was it, it, it was something that I that I would never forget. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, what happened, but our bond always going to be there. You know, we're always going to have that special moment, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that I grew during that uh, last year. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to carry that, you know, every time that we are at the baseball field and every time that you had a chance, you know, to coach our younger talent. And, uh, you know, like I say, man, I'm, I'm blessed. To have uh, you know a great opportunity with the great players and uh, a, a much better opportunity you know to be here with the Detroit Tigers organization. You know I've talked to a lot of guys that are already in West Michigan that played for you last year, and to a man, it's basically been unanimous. Guys love playing for you. So if you can, I mean, I don't want you to wax poetic about yourself here, but what's the vibe that you try to keep in a clubhouse that has all these guys saying, "I love playing for Brian Pena." I treat everybody the same. I treat everybody with respect. I treat everybody with love. And I represent in the Detroit Tigers organization 100% and what, and what organization is all about. The only thing that I ask you is for you to go out there and play hard for us. The only thing that I ask you is for you to go out there and respect the fans, respect your coaching and staff, and respect everybody who has something to do with the organization. If you do that, man, you will never hear a word from me. Winning and losing that comes, you know, with the territory. We have to learn that, you know, how to deal with that. Obviously, we all want to win, but we understand that that's not, that, that, that's not possible. So we have to embrace the negative with looking for something positive. You know, if we go 0-4-4, don't look at those 0-4-4. Look at those quality at bats that you have. You know, and, uh, you know, that, that's the way Brian Peña... That's, and, uh, you know, I don't think that I'm going to change. I don't think that I'm going to change because, like I said before, you know, I learned so much through my process, you know, when I defect from Cuba and not being able to go back to my country. And when I came here to, to America, America gave me everything. And, uh, you know, I embrace life every single day and I want to pass it along, you know, to our players. I'm really glad you brought up Cuba. That's been a place that's been so hard for guys to leave to play in the States. What can you tell me about when you came over to play here in the United States? Oh, it, it was uh, it was a dream, you know, come true. 
I, uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I always expect a lot out of myself, uh, but I was very realistic, you know. So I was, I, I, I was going step by step. You know what? I want to do good uh, at this level because I want to be playing the next level and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, American gave me everything that I need, man, uh, to be honest with you. American gave me freedom. I gave me, um, American gave me, you know, an opportunity to pursue my dream. And, uh, and, and, and I was, uh, and I am, you know, very happy. And, uh, and as a player, I, I was very happy too, because, uh, you know, I was playing in the United States of America. A lot of people that didn't have the chance, a lot of people, you know, die, uh, you know, on the sea and, and, you know, a lot of people went to jail in my country because they were trying to pursue, you know, the, the baseball dream. And, and, and I already made it, you know, so why not, you know, look, look at life differently. You know, uh, when you go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, my, uh, to, to blow my own horn, but when you go through the process that I went, you learn how to appreciate everything, man. You learn not to take anything for granted. And, uh, and, and that's why it was an easy transition for me from the player to a coaching because I want to give back, you know, and that's the only way that I know how to give back. And, uh, man, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just exactly what I continue to do. The only difference is now instead of being a player, you know, and a coaching, but I'm, I'm a coach, but, uh, you know, I still love what I do and, and, uh, you know, I'm engaged 100% with the process. That begs another question. Does baseball need to change the way it gets Cuban players into the system? I'm going to be honest with you. That's a, that's a very different, uh, you know, situation because, well, we're going through, man, not everybody else does. You know, if you're a Puerto Rican player, you had a chance to be drafted. If you're a Dominican player, you had a chance to to become a free agent. You know, uh, if you're a Venezuelan, you know, now it's a little uh, uh, difficult, but still, you know, you have a chance to sign and become a professional baseball player. With the Q1 players, it's totally different. You have to take a raft. You have to defect, uh, to, to defect uh, your country. You have to leave your family behind. You have to live with your loved one. You, you, you are treating in your country like a traitor. If you go back to your country, you have uh, a chance to, to, uh, to, to, to go to jail just to play in baseball. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how your country punish you, you know, for you to play a game, for you to go out there and trying to provide for your family, you know. So it's not fair, you know, for us to be treated, you know, differently, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, we should be get rewarded. You know, and if you have the talent and you producing like the way Abreu, Chapman, Pui, uh, Kendrick Morales, and, and all those players, why not? You know, why not give us an opportunity, you know what I mean, to, to, to earn what we deserve? And, uh, man, it's, it's paying off because uh, those guys, they, they, they're playing the game, you know, at the highest level, you know, with a very uh, good quality. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, you get paid, you know, uh, as, as you produce. You get paid for what we believe that you can do, and uh, and, and man, uh, I mean, just because for uh, for everything that we have to go through, I think we deserve no more or less, you know, than uh, what everybody else uh, deserves. And nobody knows it better than Brian Pena. I want to know about one of the kids that you have at the plate for you, and I know you've only had him for about a week, but. We're just about to have a conversation with Brian Packard, the fifth-round pick from East Carolina. What do we need to know about him? Nobody plays harder than he does. I mean, this is a guy that he goes 100% every single time. I mean, this is a guy that he's become, you know, he, he become, you know, a, a professional athlete, 
And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, man, that he goes out there and you go like, this guy doesn't look that he came from college. You know, this guy looks like he's been in the system for a lot of years because, uh, you know, the way he grinds, the way he goes about the business and, uh, and uh, man, you know, he's just been impressive. He's just been very impressive. You know, I, I'm uh, uh, like offensively and defensively too, but also he got, uh, he got, he got some speed, you know, he's very, you know, he's very uh, fast for, for a very tall and a strong uh, young man. And, uh, man, uh, he's one of those guys that I, that I mentioned before. He's always asking questions. You know, uh, th- th- this is the why. This is the why. This is why I do this, Peña. Th- what do you think about this? You know, and, man, and, and every time that I see him, you know, he's paying attention to the game. He's paying attention to the little details, you know, to, to help your team to, to, to be better. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to watch, man. It's fun to watch, and, uh, you know, he's going to be one of the good ones. You know, he's going to be hopefully, you know, very soon, you know, we're going to have an opportunity for him to move on and, and, and to experience, you know, the highest level. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to have him, you know, in my ball club, and I'm very excited to, to have him in, in our organization. Brian, hoping this is the first of many conversations we'll have. Congrats on the GCL title last year. Let's catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you, fellas, for having me, and God bless you all. Let's see what's on the road ahead. Let's start with a preview of things to keep track of in the coming week. We'll see what's going on with different starting pitchers, who will throw in. So to West Michigan, the Whitecaps hit the road to take on South Bend for two games. It's one of those home-and-home home series. So they'll celebrate our nation's birthday in South Bend for the second and third, then come back to West Michigan for the fourth and fifth. And let me tell you that South Bend team is loaded with big-time Chicago Cubs prospects. They have a lefty named Braylon Marquez who can throw a fastball at 100 miles per hour. That kid is nasty, and there's not a lot of guys that like facing him. We've seen him face the Whitecaps a couple times this year, and the Caps have actually had some success. They'll get another crack at him coming up on July the 2nd couple of other kids who are playing well. Their number five prospect for the Cubs, Cole Roderer, is batting 300 with eight runs batted, and he had a really slow start to the year. There's kind of some parallels between Cole Roderer and Parker Meadows. High school kids, second round picks, highly thought of prospects, and they're just now both starting to show some signs at the plate. Number seven prospect, their outfielder Brennan Davis, did not start the year with South Bend, but he got to the Cubs a little bit later on. He's playing well as well, and I think if the Cubs are looking to upgrade any part of their major league team, you can't help but wonder if guys like Roderer and Davis would be on teams' as lists as players they'd like to get in return. Over to Lakeland, the Flying Tigers hit the road. The Flaggers take on Palm Beach in a three-game set. While Erie goes to Binghamton, they take on those Rumble Ponies three-game series. Anthony Castro will get the start in Game 1. Pitcher scheduled to get the starts in that series. Anthony Castro, Matt Manning, and then Alex Fieto will take the mound in the following series against Altoona. Last but not least, Toledo kicks off July by taking on the Columbus Clippers in a three-game home series. And that'll wrap it up. Another show for The Road to Detroit, Episode 7. Do not forget to go online, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you catch your podcast, make sure you click subscribe. Don't miss another episode of The Road to Detroit. Coming up next week... We're hoping to talk to some of the guys in Lakeland. Now, whether it's the Lakeland Flying Tigers or the Gulf Coast League, Cody Clemens has played some really good baseball in Lakeland. 
the son of the longtime major leaguer and a guy who made so many all-star teams, Roger Clemens. Hoping to talk to Cody Clemens on next week's edition of The Road to Detroit. We'll also check in on some of the younger guys, the first rounder in this year's draft, Riley Green. What's going on with Riley down in the Gulf Coast League? We'll check in on him. We'll also do an edition of the mailbag. So send your questions to us. You can find me on Twitter at ThatDanHasty. You can send us questions for the RTD. Also, find Road to Detroit at Road to Detroit to find out everything going on in the Tigers minor league system. That'll wrap up Episode 7. And a big thank you to all of our guests here on the Road to Detroit. Big thank you to Nick Quintana, the Tigers' second-round pick in this year's draft. And from the Connecticut Tigers, Brian Packard and their manager, Brian Pena. For our producer, Nate Wangler, I'm Dan Hasty. Looking forward to Episode 8 already. Thanks for joining us here. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Road to Detroit. We're out of here. See ya! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.